0: Buddy. I'm happy to be back. It's been a second, but I am here and settled back into my apartment. I've been in Ontario for most of August and so I'm finally back school starting next week, which I'm trying not to think about too much because <laughs> it's also my last year and it's feeling very um, bittersweet and very final and very um, nostalgic which is a good thing and I think it's going to mean that this year is just going to be really wonderful in terms of soaking up every last little ounce of learning and of experiencing the beauty of academia that I really love. But yeah, I'm definitely feeling nostalgic already and I'm trying to emotionally prepare myself for the weirdness of knowing that like this upcoming first day of school is going to be my last first day of school until I get my master's, um, which who knows when that'll be, (laughs) might be sooner rather than later, but I was listening to this conversation um, on my favorite podcast, Goes Without Saying, the other day, I can't remember which episode it was that they released, um, but they were talking about like having that sort of Master's story in your back pocket, like if you need to whip it out so that you have the stability of knowing that you could go back to school if you wanted and have that structure and have that kind of like comfort blanket. It's almost like a safety blanket, I think, at least for me and like someone who grew up craving a lot of academic validation and seeking that out and um, kind of being defined by my academic successes for A good chunk of my life um and how that has like transformed or translated into my adult life but anyway they were basically just saying that it's comforting knowing that you can always you know fall back on going going for your master's um and have that security blanket that is school life so I am feeling the depths of that right now feeling quite existential quite um excited and grounded in like my passion and grounded in my knowledge for what kind of work I want to be doing and what like really lights me up and what I'm really excited about doing in the world Um, but just like more so the fear of like okay how do I actually make that happen and how do I translate this passion into something concrete and something that's like gonna pay me money (laughs) so that's a whole journey that I'm about to embark on and have been you know Going through the ebbs and flows this summer, especially this summer has been an existential one. Oh my gosh, it seems like every time I'm catching up with a friend or um, kind of talking to anybody, like I remember I saw somebody that I hadn't seen since high school earlier this year, and he was asking me. He was just like, "Oh, like, like, what's on your mind lately? Like, what's going on?" I just like, <laughs> I sometimes don't have a filter, and I think I said something. I've just been thinking a lot about death lately. Um, I felt kind of bad because I was like damn this guy doesn't really know me anymore um and you know he's he's a really intelligent really kind person and so he was just kind of like oh like cool like (laughs) we we talked a little bit about it but um I don't know this summer has just like felt very philosophical and very um spiritually awakening for me in a few different ways Um, it's also become a running joke I feel like I've probably mentioned this on here also but a running joke in between some of my friends and I that my prefrontal cortex is like really putting in the work this year and I can feel her like physically molding into this like evolved version of herself Um, anyway (laughs) I do feel quite transformed in a lot of ways and i can't always put that into words um sometimes i occasionally can but it's never when i'm sitting down to record my podcast it's usually when i'm like having coffee with a friend and i have this like big epiphany and we go on this like hour long rant about all the little meanings of life and all of our questions and all of our ponderings about what it means to be here and also like what it doesn't mean to be here like how much meaning we search for and how much meaning we actually make for ourselves so anyway that's a whole other rabbit hole that we could go down but I'm not feeling like that is where my brain is at today so I thought today could just be like a fun um jumbly mix and match conversation of just like things that have been on my mind um books that I've been reading I've been reading a lot of books this year which has felt so good for my brain um and like most of them have been fiction books which feels really great because I went through a phase like last year and kind of the year before, um, of like only reading essays and articles and memoirs, which are beautiful and I love them and they have their time and their place, but it was like all that I was consuming on top of my academic readings. And so I don't know, I think I just like burnt myself out a little bit in terms of like all of the stuff that I was reading and internalizing and it just got to be a little bit much. And so it's been really fun to just like Dive into the deep end of good old fiction novels. Um, And yeah, I've also read some classics this summer, which has felt exciting. I read The Bell Jar for the first time, which was my first Sylvia Plath experience. I've read her poetry before, but never like, I've never held one of her books in my hand. And so it felt like a very big moment. I read it on the train to um, my mom's house back at the beginning of August and then finished it while I was at her house. And so, yeah, it was like. Quite a magical read, very intense, very emotional, but I'm glad that I read it at this age and not as a teenager, I think, because I feel like that would have been maybe um, a little much and I would have identified maybe too much with her character in some, like, unhinged ways, which I think is the experience of any teenage girl ever, um, like, reading a book or watching a movie with a female protagonist who is just, like insane <laughs> and kind of unapologetic about it I feel like I identified with um I don't know like a handful a handful of these women and of course you know I was just talking to um somebody about this earlier today that all of the female characters from like the 2010s I feel like generally in books and movies and tv shows are like you know, like the edgy, cool, not like other girls, girl desirable, but mysterious and kind of creepy and outcast. And like, those were the girls that I feel like I gravitated towards for multiple different reasons, you know, internalized misogyny being a huge one of them. And also identifying with that feeling of being isolated and feeling very separate from everyone else and just being misunderstood. And, you know, the essence of being a teenage girl growing up anywhere. (laughs) But to get back to my point, what I was saying, I think, I think where I was going with this was that all of the representations of teenage girls were very um, limited within their insanity. Like their insanity often was not feminist. Their insanity had to do with how their weirdness and their out-of-boxness supported the male protagonist's journey to self-realization and becoming a person it was it's like very much tied in with the manic pixie dream girl trope and also with that whole phase of the romanticization of mental illness and mental health issues I think all of these narratives are very much interwoven and very much embedded in the culture of the time and I think still show up for sure but just like in different ways Um, and I'm also not consuming the same kind of content that I was when I was a teenager Um, but even like I don't know euphoria oh my god I don't even want to get into euphoria because Sam Levinson the idol so (laughs) there's so there's so much There's so much to talk about, but I just don't think I have it in me. And there's also so many good videos um, and I'm sure podcast episodes out there that delve into the complexities of his directing style and what that all means for adolescence and sexualization and mental health and addiction. And Anyway, I'm not like an expert in that. So I think I'm going to leave that to people who are more well-versed. But I have watched a lot of really good videos on YouTube of like, Um, analyses or criticisms and um, nuanced examinations of his type of direction and what that means for the grander story of teenagehood and sexuality and mental health that inevitably the people who are consuming his work are going to internalize to an extent. But all that to say, I think that the representations and characterizations of femininity and identity that I grew up with I probably could have done with a little bit more Sylvia Plath except I think that pairing it with the unhealthy representations that I was being swallowed up by I maybe wouldn't have been able to embody it or understand it Um, or internalize it in a way that would have been healthy for me and probably would have just been another one of those things that got swept up in these like very patriarchal stories of what it means to be a woman and what it means to be struggling with mental health and struggling with traumatic experiences. And I don't know, I think I, I do really wish that I had had more access earlier on to more nuanced and diverse and actually like authentic representations of um, feminine thought and feminist thought, especially. I think I always knew that there was like something, there was something wrong with the way that I was being treated and the situations that I was put in and also the situations that I was putting myself into. But I didn't have the language to articulate those feelings and to be able to express my frustration and my agony and my hatred for these experiences that I was going through. And so I remember in high school especially going through these kinds of like realizations of of feminism and understanding or tr- starting to begin to put the pieces together of like um, what it all meant and how it had affected me and how it was affecting the people around me and my relationships and, um, also the absence of acknowledgement of these real life things that women go through and that queer women go through. And I I have like such vivid memories of going on these like long feminist rants to guys that could not give a shit And getting into these arguments with these guys that just, like, were not willing to understand or even, like, try to understand where I was coming from. And I, of course, was, like, so wrapped up in all of these um, really intense teenage emotions and, like, didn't have the skills to necessarily articulate myself super well. Or even if I knew what I wanted to say and had some of the language at my disposal to use to convey the issues that I was trying to you know share with people and that I was trying to explain why I was so angry at a certain situation it would just not be taken seriously and of course when you're angry and you're you're letting that show as a woman and especially as a younger girl people are just like not going to listen to you because you're hysterical and you don't know how to compose yourself and you don't know how to like have uh, an intellectual discussion or a debate or whatever. Um, And I think that that is like one of my, my core memories of high school especially is having these conversations that were obviously so emotional for me because they were personal to me and to so many people in my life. And it was just so frustrating trying to talk with people about these very real things that they were complicit in or that they played a part in either in my life or in somebody else's life. And just not being taken seriously whatsoever or being brushed off as you know whatever the angry lesbian feminist and that was the end of the discussion because they couldn't talk to somebody who was so hysterical and so angry and so that is just like such a central part to my understanding of myself as a teenage girl and reading Melissa Febos's book, Girlhood, that I am sure I've given quite a bit of airtime to on this podcast, it's still one of my favorite books. It is a collection of essays by Melissa Fabos that explore, I mean, girlhood, <laughs> um, but she especially talks about her teenage years and from, I think, like the ages of 11-ish to her adulthood and all of these experiences she had and understanding them and contextualizing them within the grander scheme of things as she got older and gained more access to um, knowledge around how the patriarchy works and what internalized misogyny is and what sexualization is and how that intersects with all of the different components of identity that a certain person has. And reading about these experiences of hers and identifying with so many of them Um, And also reading it from the perspective of somebody that would have loved to sit down with her teenage self and just like, first of all, give her a hug and have an honest conversation about what the fuck is going on and what it all means in the larger scale of things in not only her life, but also just the way that this world is structured And taking into consideration all of the little tiny contexts that brought certain things into reality and also made it so hard to communicate certain things. And um, I think just reading that book was such a healing process. And also, I love to reread it. It is a heavy read, but rereading little chunks of it here and there is so wonderful because I get a little bit something new every single time I revisit it. I just think it's such a beautiful book and one that I think everybody should read. I think no matter how you grew up and what experiences led you to this moment in time where you're sitting here listening to my podcast and listening to me ramble about this book, I think there's something in this book that will teach every single person on this world a little bit of something, not only about themselves, but maybe just to reinterpret a situation that happened in their life once or that they heard about um, and bring that with them into future situations and also just like conversations about consent and gender and identity and all of the baggage that we're all carrying around with us all the time. (laughs) While we're on the topic of books, I thought I could share just like a few of the books i've read maybe just from this summer um because there's been quite a few that i've been surprised by that i've really loved i know i mentioned that i read the bell jar for the first time um i also just finished a couple weeks ago the secret history by donna tart which i know i'm late to the game i didn't realize that it was like such a cult classic until i was like partway through. Um, and I guess like the algorithm picked up on and I started getting recommended all of these, um, videos that most of them are concerned with the aesthetic of the book because the aesthetic is beautiful. It's very like dark academia, spooky, um, very like elitist, but make it beautiful, (laughs) um, Anyway, I didn't realize that it was such a classic and I do get it. Like now that I finished it, I'm like, okay, I get it. I feel like I kind of, I don't know. I, I honestly, I didn't have much hope in the beginning. I remember I picked it up originally in the spring. I read like 50 pages or something and I was like, I don't like this. Like I don't really care about anybody and I don't really like any of these characters. Like they all feel quite one dimensional. And I remember even like talking about it. Um, to a friend of mine and she totally got where I was coming from and I still think that some of my critiques hold up a little bit but now that I finished it and I have like been through the whole journey of getting to know these people and being swallowed up by the story and Donna Tartt's language that is so poetic and beautiful I get it (laughs) I do get it and I think I will probably reread it Mm, this fall seems too soon because I literally just finished it but maybe next fall I feel like it's a really good autumn read um so yeah that one is one that I that I read recently um I also recently read The Pisces by Melissa Broder who also wrote Milkfed which I was really obsessed with last year um and it was like a very quick read it's quite a short book and it was a really fun one to read. It, like, wasn't too serious, but also dealt with some really interesting themes of love and sex addiction and um, relationships with women. And I, I think her writing is just, like, so funny. It's very witty and very playful. Um, and it just, like, it just doesn't take itself too seriously, which is something that I really love, especially in books that are, like, marketed as funny, I'm really picky with humor and so when it delivers I'm like very grateful because I find the other thing because this book is kind of like a spicy erotic book the other thing with these books is I find they can be so cringy so easily and it just like completely takes me out of it and this one there was only a couple moments where I was like oh like I don't really like that (laughs) um but I think the other thing that's really cool about this book is that there are there are a lot of sex scenes in it but they're not all super sexy and um fantastical and like you know super attractive some of them are like oh fuck this is like describing sexual encounters that probably most of us have had maybe not as extreme but situations that we've been in that are just like not it (laughs) um and she describes them in a really funny and kind of dark way like I don't know. I think if you're sensitive, maybe this book isn't for you because it does deal with some heavier themes. Um, like, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it is a good book, and I I thought it was fun. I read it in like two or three days, and so it was like a quick a quick flip through. Um, and yeah, it was just like kind of light and fun. And if you're into mermaids and mythical folklore, then this might be the book for you. <laughs> so I'll I'll leave that there. Um, yeah, so that that was one that I read recently. Also, I just started reading last week um, my first Stephen Graham Jones book, which I'm so excited about. It's called My Heart is a Chainsaw, and it's a horror book. It's like... Oh my god, if, if you like slashers and if you are quite invested in the horror genre, especially like the history of the horror genre, then you will like this book and you will appreciate it because there are like so many references and so many little inside scoops that I haven't gotten all of them because I'm not like, I don't know, I'm not so deep in the lore of horror that I understand everything, but I have been obsessed with the horror genre, especially movies since i was like 12 like way too young to be watching certain movies i think um and this is also the first horror book that i've read for probably like i don't know close to 10 years i went through a phase when i was like honestly probably like 12 to 14 and i would get those like (laughs) really um I don't even know how to describe them. They were quite grungy books. Like, I think most of them were written in, like, the 80s and 90s. And um, often they were, like, unreliable narrator stories of, you know, there's, like, a killing spree. And then the plot twist is that it's been them the whole time. Or they're actually insane and they've just been dreaming this whole thing or they've been remembering it from the time that they went on a killing rampage anyway I was really into those books um from like ages 12 to 14 and I read like so many of them and so this has been really fun to like I don't know be at the age that I'm at now and read a book that has so much more depth to it than those ones I mean those ones were really fun for the age that I was at I think um they were like quite not silly, they weren't silly. I think they were they were good. They were good for what they were and they were fun and they delivered and I I had fun reading them. Um but reading this one which also deals with like quite heavy themes related to family and to culture and I think the author brings a lot of his own experiences um into the themes of the story in really interesting ways. Um anyway, I am really loving it so far. And if you are into scary stuff, I would totally recommend it. I know he has a couple more books. One of them is a the sequel to this one, I think. And then the other one is just like another spooky, interesting one that I don't know much about, but it is also on my list. So that's my reading situation as of right now. If you have any book recommendations, I am searching um, for more in the fall. I have i just bought two like the same day that i bought my heart as a chainsaw i got all's well by mona awad which i'm so excited for because i was obsessed with bunny and i've heard amazing things about this one the other thing that's on my list by her is rouge which i am also really excited for but they just didn't have it at the bookstore and then the other one that i got is ripe and i forget i forget who the author is sarah rose edder Um, And I think I had maybe seen, like, one recommendation for this from, like, somebody that I follow, but I'm going in, like, not really knowing much. The reason, like, the the justification I made in purchasing it was that Roxanne Gay and Carmen Maria Machado both wrote, like, raving reviews on the front cover. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) these women have my back. They know what's up, and so I'm going to get it. So I haven't started either of them, but those are... On my list for the fall, but I am seeking out more recommendations. I've gotten a couple that have been added to my list, but I would also just like love to know what any of you are reading. I feel like I always just like, I don't know, whenever anybody tells me what their favorite book is or what um, book has like meant the most to them within the past year, I just, I love to listen to people talk about things that they love and especially when it comes to books, they're such a personal thing and... I just, like, would love to hear you gush about something that you are really excited about. Other things that have been in my life recently, I just went to go see the movie Past Lives with a friend of mine, and I'm still thinking about it, and it still got me in its sweet grip. It is such a beautiful movie, and one that just, like, provokes such intense thought I think following the screening, like the experience of watching it is so beautiful and so relatable. I think to anybody that watches it, it is one of those universal movies that you'll find a connection with. I think no matter who you are and then following it, my friend and I had this like epic conversation, several conversations following um, of just like thoughts that it prompted or memories that jogged up or... Um, things that we appreciated and it's not just a love story but a story of culture and a story of fragmentation and alienation and um, the beautiful cycles of life and examining what it all means and what it has all meant or what is it all going to mean in the future and how much we just like don't know about the vast expansiveness of the universe and anyway, it's such a, such a beautiful movie, and I'm recommending it to everybody, because it just, like, hit the right spot at that moment in time, um, and is still hitting the right spot, so (laughs) that's my most recent, like, excellent movie recommendation, I also really want to go see Talk To Me, which I've been seeing incredible reviews about, it's, like, I don't, Totally, even remember what it's about. I know it's a horror movie, and I know it's directed by like two YouTube guys. I forget their names, but I recognize their faces immediately. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like it's those people. I also am very excited about this fall because I'm going to be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for the first time ever. I have decided that's going to be my fall show, which is super exciting. Because, Gilmore Girls, I love you, but I just need some more stimulation and less comfort. And I just, I'm also really curious about Buffy because it's, you know, it's famous for a reason and it's recommended to me for a reason. So that is also on my list. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe I'm going to leave it there. We're at 27 minutes, um, roughly. And I think I've, I've kind of like gone through quite a weird array of topics, (laughs) everything from, existentialism to sam levinson to girlhood to um movie recommendations you know what like it's it's called scatterbrain special for a reason because my brain is scattered while i'm recording these and i'm just like letting whatever comes out come out and so it is what it is and i hope you enjoyed i hope that it felt cozy And if you ever want to extend this conversation or just like shoot the shit with me, you can always reach out at the lily.pod and I would love to talk with you. So until next time, which will probably be next week, we'll see. We'll see um, how responsible I can be with my time management this week, but I will do my best. And in the meantime, if you're going back to school next week, I'm really excited for you. I'm right there with you. I'm wishing you all the best in prepping for it and feeling grounded as you go in. Um, And yeah, we'll connect so soon. I have a good feeling about being accountable with myself (laughs) this week and recording. But until then, take care of yourself. I hope that this week is gentle, this week is sweet, and it feels good for your heart and for your soul and for your body and your brain. And I'll talk to you so soon.